SB Pod. I owed you one from last week. There were technical difficulties on my end. And Bill Barnwell, who is joining us now, host of the Bill Barnwell Show podcast, a guest on the uh, Sports Center that we do all last season. We, we created a segment called Pay the Bill, and he tells you stuff that's going to happen, and it always does, and he gets everything right. He's the smartest guy we know about football. He joins us now because last week, Bill, you were moving, and now we're like neighbors. We are all, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in Maryland now. That's correct. Yes, correct. For at least one year. I'm hoping to be <laughs> at least a year in Maryland. Had, had one of those like disaster moves where everything goes wrong, but vaguely settled here now and excited for the football season. At least I think excited. Vaguely, for the vaguely settled is a good way to describe, I think. All, Steve beat me down here by a month, which was very, very, very smart play because, I mean, we've been here for now like almost three weeks. But as I said last week, it was a bit of you're moving. I had a technical glitch on my end. Hopefully we sound better this week. Uh, the last podcast we did, it sounded like we were in a cave and uh, that's, that's on me. Uh, but listen, it, football season is starting mm -hmm. and here's the premise. Stand for Steve's with us, Steve. If I haven't, Steve, did I introduce you? I haven't yet. I'm here. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're good. Three, three big bald guys ready to rock and roll and talk football. But here's, here's like, I, it just dawned on me. Mm. It's Tuesday when we tape this, am I supposed to do winners this week, Steve? Absolutely. Have to. I mean, have to, but like what games am I supposed to pick? You know, I'm just going to take underdogs and give them anyway. It really doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. You don't even need to know who the favorites are. That's, you just that's need to know just so blind, you can write them on your card. We'll go blind underdogs. That's kind, of what we'll, that's kind of what we do. But then the next Thursday, the NFL season starts. And here's the overall premise, Bill. And, I, and I've read a lot about this, and fantasy, I think, has framed it in a sense that typically around mid-August, I would be mocking crazy. Steve, mm -hmm. I have a problem, right? Absolute fact. I mock. And I used to mock people that play fantasy. Now I'm Mr. Mock because I need to know I'm picking at three. Who am I going to get on the get back? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I went into one of these places where you can go to mock and it's crickets. <laughs> There's no one there. And then I read an interesting article that just talked about that just how much traffic's down. And it feels, Bill, that this football season, more than any I can ever recall in my life, with the absence of preseason games and all the stuff that's going on with COVID-19, it feels like we are as in the dark and as blind as we've ever been. Do you feel the same or do you have a different viewpoint? Okay. First thing I want to say, let's take it a step backwards. Please. Can we talk about when you said, I went into one of those places where you mock? Like That's nothing sounds, <laughs> that, that sounds like something you would do in Times Square in 1976. That is some, some poor guy with a mop. No, yes. it's not like that. It's no. not like that. It, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's, of course. Like this fantasy calculator. That's the one that had the best because you could go in there and it, you'd actually mock with other human beings. And then there'd always be some guy that was either liquored up or just wanted to ruin it who'd take a kicker in the first round. And it'd be like, oh, f you don't do that. I just waited for 20 minutes to get in this mock room. But I, I went there and there's no one in those places where you typically mocked. And I mm -hmm. wonder what that says. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a combination of things, right? I mean, I think first and foremost, you start with where fantasy leagues come from. You're interacting with your friends. You're in offices, typically. None of that's happening. I, I don't know about you guys. You guys have been going to the office because you're professionals, but I've been pretty much <laughs> in my apartment 
doing nothing for the past. I've been working, but I have not left my apartment very much for the past six months. I haven't traveled. I haven't gone hang out with my friends very often. You know, had some socially distant hangouts here and there, but I'm trying to obey the rules. And so there's not those sort of natural interactions where you start your fantasy football season. And then I think, you know, based on what's happened in other sports, based on how scattered and how unique and how different the schedule has been, I mean, there's not that sort of natural rhythm of, okay, you know, baseball trade deadline has passed. Uh, you know, the NBA and the NHL aren't going on. Soccer's not going on. I need something to entertain myself. Oh, hey, here's, you know, it's late July. Here's fantasy football time. Right. Let me get started on that. And so I think there's been that distraction. And then I think just, you know, would you want to play fantasy football in a season where maybe the season might not happen or might not happen as constructed? There might be a six-week season. I think there's so many, you know, leagues that have had, a steady thing going on for years and years where they're sitting here saying, do I really want to put in a hundred bucks to play in this league when it might be a six week season and I might lose because of that? Bill, I'm in a hundred thousand dollar league. Okay. A hundred bucks. My, I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a $100,000 league. Okay. So there's a joke behind that. I told my wife, I'll, I'll give you the cliff's notes. I told my wife I was a hundred thousand dollar league and she, cause my wife but will believe what I tell her. She, she took it. She says I'm a concrete thinker. So she thought I was in a $100,000 fantasy league and she became so irate. Just like, oh, I'm, what? I'm, go I'm going shopping. I don't even want anything. I don't, $100,000 league. But your point is, is entirely uh, understood that maybe you don't want to invest the time or the money. But I think the, I think the point that makes the most sense to me mm. is that we are creatures of habit. And we are used to the rhythms of summer. And maybe like our family, go to the, we go to the same beach town, this little town called Bethany Beach in Delaware. Mm -hmm. And maybe you head north to Dewey. Stanford Steve's now a big, 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 big time fixture on the Dewey scene. Oh, really? But, well, I mean, everywhere he goes, he's, you know, a popular guy. But I think <laughs> Good you, place. you go there in July and, and then, you know, it's August and you start playing preseason games. You start thinking about this. But now, mm -hmm. obviously, the rhythm of life is thrown off. You have preseason, excuse me, you have postseason NBA and NHL games going on, mm -hmm. quadruple headers in the middle of July into August, rather. And it's like, I think people's brains are in a different place. And then there's, I think we trick ourselves, Bill, into thinking that in normal years, we have access to information. Because we see a preseason game and we decide, ooh, man, that Zach Moss guy, I got to pick him up. Because we see him against the twos in yes. like the second preseason game, and we have decided that he is the next Frank Gore. He is, mm -hmm. is going to be the guy. Well, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But we have no access to any of that information. But maybe, maybe Bill, we tricked ourselves in the past into thinking we knew things that we didn't know. Yeah, I, I think that's the general takeaway I would have from – seeing people who are confused as to what's happening or skeptical of what's happening. That's great. And I think that's smart to feel that way, but we should realistically feel that way every year. I mean, I was talking with you about this a little bit. Think about this time last year. We were sitting here we're projecting the NFL season and certainly I didn't get everything right. And no one does, but you know, the hot sort of in the public, the hot prospects for MVP were Mitch Trubisky, and Baker Mayfield. And no disrespect to those players, they did not come close to winning the MVP they in 2019. Um, winning. Yeah. Every sort of big picture study we have on whether it's fantasy football, whether it's the draft, whether it's projecting team performance from season to season, we're not any good at any of this stuff. <laughs> we're, like, like, we're, all, we're bad. We're bad at 
every single element of it. I mean, think about that, that 2018 quarterback class. Let's say you took my dog, Banky, who's a very good dog, who I think is licking some kind of peanut butter thing as I speak. Let's say you put five treats in front of her and said, hey, walk towards the treat you think is going to be the best quarterback in the 2018 draft class. And you had five treats out there for Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson, the last of whom, by the way, won the Heisman Trophy and was the best quarterback of that bunch in college football. Maggie might have chosen Lamar Jackson first, might have chosen Lamar Jackson second, third, or fourth. NFL scouts, this billion-dollar enterprise we have built with experts from networks and from teams and former coaches, they all combined to choose the other four quarterbacks before the guy who won MVP last season. So... Like, like, you know, I think we have a, a level of certainty about the NFL and about sports in general, but I think particularly about the NFL heading into a season that is totally unearned and totally unwarranted. And one of the best things you can do typically if you're trying to win money in the NFL or project things in the NFL is to go against that grain and figure out what actually translates from year to year. But I think we're sort of recognizing in this very unique set of circumstances that we have no idea what's going to happen in this upcoming NFL season. Uh, if you looked at things that you might like, all right, say you had the list, you, you talked about making all these preseason predictions, but sure. you definitely have certain things that you do feel better about, right? I mean, coming into a season. Sure. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a very good quarterback in 2020. Take Bill. Perfect. Okay. Here, Cause I wanted to, I actually wanted to start there because Obviously, you know, nothing could be um, – nothing – there's no negative to be said about Mahomes right now and the way the Chiefs are. And, you know, everybody right around this time of year, you know, you just – you know that they have that offensive firepower more than maybe some teams in the past. So, mm-hmm. they even get more of the benefit of the doubt. But when you look at this, like Edwards Allaire is, is going in the first round of fantasy drafts. I know they lost uh, – they lost one of the linemen, right? Because the, the the doctor guy, Doctor Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Duvernay, yes, show, yeah, yeah Tardif. That's right. Impressive so like dude. he's gone, but like you know, are you? What are you expecting for the Chiefs offensively, especially Alaire? Now that like he's going to be their guy. Yeah, I mean, here's here's the thing, and this is so frustrating because I'm someone who is very much like the, you know, don't draft running backs in the first round. It's not worth it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a a pick that I don't think I would have taken for the Chiefs. I think I would have gone in a different direction. And he's still going to kill it. He's going to be incredible (laughs) in this offense. And, like, it's like it was the right move. you got to pick him up. He was a a guy who I think was underrated before the Damian Williams news and now is going in the top ten in drafts. I think um, our colleague Lewis Riddick said he should be picked first in (laughs) – uh, fantasy draft, which I don't know that I agree with that, but I think it's it's not that far off from where I think he would be. But I think you think about sort of what's going to work in this season, what advantages teams might have. You look towards continuity, you look towards uh, excellent coaches, and you would look towards um, you know uh, uh, proven success in the past. And with the Chiefs, they have all three of those things, right? Andy Reid's still around, Eric Bieniemy's still around. Um, they have continuity outside of lo- losing uh, their two guards. They are set at tackle, great tackle combination, great mm-hmm. line general, great coaching staff for the line and great receivers. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like you can't bet on anybody in terms of being a total lot to succeed. Patrick Mahomes could get hurt and they could be a mess. But overall, if you had to pick anybody, you'd start there. And I think what's interesting about, about Edwards Alaire is that is a, 
and I don't know if this is a one-off year or if it's just, I've never remembered this many situations like this. Mm-hmm. And I probably forgot some, but you're talking about teams like the Colts take Taylor from Wisconsin. They've yep. got Mac among others in the backfield. Mm-hmm. The bills take Moss. They've got Singletary among others in the backfield. The Rams who paid Gurley a billion dollars two summers ago. Now Cam Akers is apparently their starter. The, the Colts, excuse me, the Ravens draft Dobbins out of Ohio State. Ingram is the incumbent, but Harbaugh on Tuesday said, look, this guy's going to have a role, maybe a significant one. In Detroit, is it Swift or on Johnson who can't stay healthy? The Redskins, obviously, Geis had a bunch of off-field issues. He's gone. They picked a guy up from Memphis, Gibson, who, who there's a little bit of chatter about him. I don't think he's going to – he's not perceived to be a starter. But I guess – Well, yeah. you got him from Stanford here. They picked him up a couple years ago. But what I'm saying is all of these names, and I could say Dylan with Green Bay, but I don't think anyone thinks he's supplanting Jones or Williams, who's had a nice role with him. Goal line, touchdown gobbler. You got to watch yeah, out for those guys. You're right. But, but in – Big legs. Are all these rookies, in your estimation, Bill, in line to become guys this season? Who, I mean, at this point, who knows? It, it, it's absolute chaos when it comes to the running back situations because in a typical year, we can't be too confident about running backs. You know, I, I don't know what the number is exactly, but of the 32 running backs who start the season in the NFL as their team's primary back, how many do you guys think are actually uh, the starter at the end of the season? Do you, do you have a number on this? I'm sure you do. I don't have a number. I actually oh. don't. I should have. But my guess is somewhere in like the six to eight range disappear. Like, you know, either get hurt or lose their job or just aren't very good and the rookie takes their place. I mean, in this season, wouldn't you figure that there's going to be a higher, you know, incidence of, of hamstring injuries and calf injuries without having the typical preseason? Sure, soft tissue and all this and that. But I mean, just looking at the teams and who they, they dedicated picks to those positions yeah. that, that, you know, I mean, look, I don't know how the Ravens like Dobbins is still sitting there and you're like, well, we got Ingram, but how do you not take Dobbins? This, you just can't. You can't not take him. But, I mean, I wrote down I wrote down who is RB1. Miami, I don't know. Jacksonville, I don't know. New England, it's always 10 different dudes. Atlanta, Freeman was the guy a couple years ago. He's out of a job at the moment. In San Francisco, Mostert got paid. But, I mean, Tevin Coleman was the guy most of the year. And, and those are wholly separate running back uh, comp- competitions than the ones I just mentioned. I, I, I feel like that's – I guess that speaks to what I'm saying when I feel like I have no – guidance about what the hell is going on anywhere and nothing is more symbolic of that to me than running back absolutely but then i think if you're someone who's playing fantasy football and i know that we said that it's down but i think some people are still going to play fantasy football this year i think you have to lean into that you know you can't just reject that and say oh well i'm gonna pick one of 10 running backs and then you know basically i'm gonna be stuck i'm gonna have to go with Le'Veon bell and hope that he's a 300 touch guy when there's no evidence that's going to be the case. I think, you know, the, um, the zero running back idea, which was Sean Siegel's idea several years ago for Rotov is, you know, the idea that because running back situations are so chaotic um, <laughs> and, and there's so much turnover over the course of the year, don't bother taking, you know, th- those backs in the, in the second, third, fourth, fifth round where there was. What do you really think of that? Different. What do you think I, of that as a theory? Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I think that it makes sense in a typical season. You look at the numbers, it, it's backed up by injury rates. It's backed up by their performance. And I think it's especially important this year because now um, every single time a running back gets hurt or a running back has to miss time or a running back is unavailable, which I think is going to happen more frequently this year. 
you get to benefit from that by being a guy who doesn't invest in those running backs early in your fantasy drafts, as opposed to a guy who, you know, is taking, you know, Le'Veon Bell or, for example, Leonard Fournette uh, in the third or fourth round of your draft, which is what a lot of people were doing as recently as last weekend. So, But, but if you, okay, but I, I get it. But if you totally pass, and I've already had a couple of drafts, I've got a couple of more because I have a problem. But if you, if you pass on all that wave of guys initially, then here's what ends up happening. It's like the seventh, eighth round, and you're going, all right, I'm starting Tariq Cohen if I get him. Oh, I'm going to get Ryquel Armstead. Let, let me pick up Boston Scott and hope that the Miles Sanders lower body injury. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, and, and maybe you hit on that. But I, I and there's no given that if you take any of the guys early mm-hmm. that it's going to work out. I and look this year you see the situation with Dalvin Cook. Who knows what he's going to do? Camara wants his money, and mm-hmm. I, do you pay guys? As an aside, what do you think of that? D- devoting a ton of co- a ton of coin to a Camara or a or a Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I mean the other side of that argument, I'll get to that in a second. But the other okay. argument is that you know wide receivers are really valuable. And so they're more reliable, they're more consistent. And so you don't have those running backs, but you have Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins or Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams and Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. You, you have a, such a strong receiving core. For sure. Running backs kind of, you know, complimented. And so of you don't course. have to hit on those running backs. You could take four or five running backs in late rounds and hope that, you know, every week you get one or two of those guys to come through. And if one of them turns into Nick Chubb a couple of years ago or Kareem Hunt last year or, you know, uh, someone who does break out during the season, maybe a uh, Damian Williams, for example, you do end up with something pretty good in the long run. You just have to kind of rely on your wide receivers to carry you there. Um, but anyway, so your question about the running back situations, I'm not someone who thinks running backs are, are something you should devote a significant portion of your cap to. And that's something that I've seen, you know, not only the numbers bear out historically, we've seen recent contracts for those guys. They almost always turn out poorly. The Gurley contract is a good example. Uh, the Devontae Freeman contract you mentioned is a good example. Um, you know, I have a big, big list of all the running back contracts over the past 10 years or so, and most of them really do not turn out very well. So when it comes to someone like an Alvin Kamara, in a vacuum, would I say pay Alvin Kamara $13 million a year? No, I, I don't think that's a good use of your resources. But if you're the Saints and you are building your cap to be all in this year and you have Drew Brees at 40 whatever years old playing well and you think, Alvin Kamara is going to be a difference maker for you. Would I pay Alvin Kamara under those circumstances instead of trading him? Yeah, of course I would. Um, With Dalvin Cook, you know, I I think that's a tougher one because he does have the injuries. That's been a big concern for him. He wasn't even healthy last year in that breakout season. He struggled during the second half of the season. He's coming off of a breakout year in that Shanahan Kubiak scheme that historically – I don't want to be too dismissive, but like you can pretty much plug anybody in that scheme and they're going to get a thousand cards if you yeah. really try hard. Um, you know, I think he's a talented player. I have him on my fantasy team. I love having him there, but it would be a really tough commitment. There are a lot of red flags in much the same way that there were for Freeman when Freeman signed his deal after two years with Kyle Shanahan. So um, I think it's tough. I think it's your NFL teams end up in this sort of awkward situation where you have a back and you want him to succeed but you don't want him to succeed so much, you end up paying him, at which point he probably drops off and you end up getting less than market value. So I think that's why you're seeing so many teams draft guys at the end of the first round, in the second round, in the third round, because you'd rather just draft two or three of those guys and hope one of them pans out instead of paying someone $14 million, and then you're stuck with the back who isn't very effective. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. 
Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Bill, um, when I look at guys in like new faces, new places, like that's the other thing. What do you see about um, uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo uh, getting a couple more toys to play with? What do you, I mean, that, I, like when we look at a big picture, uh, fantasy wise, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, he rushes a lot of touchdowns from the quarterback position. Um, you know, which he already is had Cole. He already had Cole Beasley, Steve. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Cole but, Beasley uh, has he has his own scent at CBS. Everyone, he does. That, he that's does. a Rosillo joke. Shout out, Rosillo. <laughs> um, but they get um, who the hell did they get from the Vikings? Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Yeah, Stephon Diggs. Uh, I was uh, to to go from there. What do you what do you expect? I mean, their over under is nine wins too. Like. They're going to have to be way better on offense. And I know the Patriots don't have Brady. I want to talk about him in a little bit. But Buffalo, when you look at them offensively, we know they went to the playoffs last year, but, like, what do you expect as a jump for them? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get in trouble with Bills fans on the internet. I'm going to start my statement by prefacing with that. I, I will say that I think Josh Allen did make strides last year. You know, watching him play. I went back and I watched five and six of those games. He was – a pretty good decision maker. He was someone who like put the ball typically to the right receiver. I still can't believe, sorry to cut you off. I still can't believe he lateraled that ball against the Texans. That's the thing. Is that I, I can't think, believe that guy did that. that, that that's the problem. So I think <laughs> when you have Josh Allen in a situation where his defense is playing well, they're running the football effectively, and he doesn't have to win the game for them, he's fine. He's going to put the ball in safe places. He's not going to be the most accurate quarterback, but he's going to run for first downs. He's going to eat the clock. He's going to protect the football. Those are all good things. You can build a successful team with that strategy. But we saw in the second half of that Texans game, Josh Allen kind of went crazy. I mean, Uh the the moment that they needed him to win the game for them, he, you know, was like a robot that, uh, you know, uh, lost power. And suddenly he was just (laughs) – lateraling and he was throwing 40 yard passes to fullbacks you know he he was he was playing hero ball and that's like you that might work in college but he does not have the ability or the experience or the uh, professional new to to make those plays when the game is on the line so i think for the bills it's more about can they run the ball effectively can they play defense at the same level and can they put josh allen in 14 games a year where he doesn't have to win in the football game because he can make plays if it's close he can make plays if it's you know, if they're ahead, but I'm just worried about his ability to, you know, lead them back in games where they are trailing by a significant margin. I'm worried about his ability to make plays against the best defenses in football. And I'm just worried about his ability to kind of maintain the stuff that gets him to succeed. Like his footwork has improved, but you see when he is under pressure or he's playing against a tough defense, his footwork just collapses. He's almost mm-hmm. battling himself at times uh, to get his footwork right. So I, I'm, you know, I, I think there is a ceiling there, a significant ceiling if he does improve, but and we saw it with Trubisky last year, right, where the, he came into the year and he was supposed to be improving and they had all the right pieces around him and then it collapsed and he took all the blame. And it wouldn't be shocking if that happened with the Bills and Josh Allen this upcoming season. But when I look at Stephon Diggs, we saw him have some major, 
major issues on sidelines during games sure. with his with his quarterback play. You're saying he's going to have a lot more out of, of those outbreaks this year I in mean, Buffalo. I, that's not. I, I mean, if he was frustrated not getting the ball from Kirk Cousins, he's going to be way more frustrated with Josh Allen. But like, I, I will say this much: I think there are teams in the past who have built their rosters in a smart way. I think the Bills are really smart when they've come to how they've built their roster. But those teams in the past don't always take risks. And those by not taking a risk, that actually is a risk because you don't end up adding the talent you need to kind of get over the hump. You've seen with the Patriots, for example. They've gone out and traded for Randy Moss. They've gone out and traded for guys who were not all that popular in their mm-hmm. old places. And they've reaped the benefits because they've had the right culture. Yeah. They've had the right coaching staff. I think adding Stefan Diggs is a risk. And there is a chance that it blows up in exactly the way you mentioned. But I think it's a risk you have to take to get your team to the next level. John Brown was great, but having Stephon Diggs and John Brown is another level of receiver. I wouldn't worry about Bill's fans getting upset with you because they're uh, reasonable, (laughs) measured. I think we understand that about Bill's fans. They are calm, (laughs) measured, reasonable people. I have written down several questions that I'm just, these are just rapid fire. Well, it's like Scott on the spot. Except it's Bill Barnwell. Can we do that? on the spot. Yes, we, Bill's on the spot this me? week. All right, Bill nice. Barnwell is on the spot. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh, what are the Patriots? For years, they have been a they, they're gold standard. They, we know what they are. They win the East. They go to the playoffs. We'll see in January in Foxborough. In 2020, what are the Patriots? They win the AFC East. Wow. The AFC. The Fuck defense- it. The defense does take a step backwards. They're not going to intercept like 5% of opposing passes. They're not going to, you know, they lost six of their top 11 guys on defense. I think Bill Belichick's going to figure it out in the second half of the season. We'll get the right, you know, personnel in the field. And then I, I believe in Cam. I believe that Cam is still a above average NFL quarterback when healthy. And I think he's healthier than people give him credit for. So I just like, can you not picture a scenario where we're sitting here in week five and, and the Patriots are three and one or four and oh, and Cam's playing great. And we're all like, oh, yeah, we should have saw that one coming. I feel like that's the most likely scenario for the Patriots. Who is terrible? Terrible. I mean, the Jags, but that's not fair. The Jags aren't trying to be good. They're trying to be terrible. Um, Take them out of the terrible? equation. Other than Jacksonville, who's awful? Who's awful? I will say the Dolphins are awful. I think the Ooh. Dolphins, great, you know, obviously. The last game they played, the last yeah. game they played was in Foxborough against a New England team that needed mm-hmm. to beat them and didn't, which is why they lost to Tennessee at home because they had to play that weekend. I will just remind you of that, that I buried the Dolphins last season, weeks one and two. They played hard at the end of the year. You think they stink? They did play hard, but the problem was they played 15 other games that year, and they were not very good in those other 15 games. <laughs> so I, Five of their last 10 games. But they did. That's true. Um I'm not trying to say, look, you're, it's, it's your answer. You think they sure. I mean, I mean, I think they're going to be, they're going to play hard. I think they have a, you know, a, a core there. That's not necessarily um, anything to be ashamed about. They've had, they made some moves this off season, but I think it's one of those things where they added so much talent in an off season where they got no time to practice. There's going to be a lot of growing pains with this team. And I think it's going to be a situation where we could see three quarterbacks play because we have guys getting hurt. We could see them, you know, add odds with each other. I think the offensive line is still a major, major, major problem. I just, you know, I, I think they are a team that I'm more excited about in 2021 than I am in 2020. Last one. I have more questions, but this was just the end of. On the I have spot. a couple too. Go, okay, go for it. <laughs> Bill Barnwell on the spot. Pew, pew. Best team in the AFC South is who? I don't like. I'm not, I'm not excited about any of these teams. Are you guys? No, that's why yes. I'm asking. I think they're all. I like okay. Houston. 
Uh, you like Houston? Oh, I'm not with you on Houston, Steve. I know you are. Everybody, it's easy to bag on Bill O'Brien. Do you, you know what their over-under is for the season? Yeah, low. Seven and it's a half, Seven I think. and a half. Yeah. How many times has a 10 and 6 team brought back a top 10 quarterback and had an over-under of seven and a half? That's why I like it. That's why you like it. Okay, that's yeah. – I, I think that's value. I, that's true. It could be value. They are, I don't think, a very good football team. They're, they're like the Romo Cowboys where – Okay. They, need, they need like eight or nine guys to stay healthy. And those eight or nine guys never are ever healthy at the same time for more than like six games. If they can do it, that'll work out great. But I, I'm skeptical they're going to keep those guys healthy. I would say the Colts almost by default because I still have some faith in Phillip Rivers. I think that behind the right line with the right pieces, I think that offense could be pretty good. I don't know about the defense, but I think nine and seven probably wins this division. And I could see the, the Colts being the first team to get there. All right, I got a couple. Um, is there any way Lamar has a better year statistically than he did last year? Yes. Not wow. likely, but – Oh, I should say, what do, what do you expect? I expect a, a little less as a rusher. I expect more passes that are not quite as efficient. I, I'm a little worried about him getting hurt, although I think he's a genius when it comes to avoiding big hits. I, like he, he is never getting hit. So I'm not you know concerned in the same way that I'd be concerned about Andrew Luck or somebody, but – I think he's going to be have to pass more frequently. I think he's going to be effective passing the ball, but not necessarily a dominant quarterback throwing the football. But if he's great as a passer, he could be more productive because, you know, your average pass is going to add eight yards per play as opposed to even six yards as a runner. When you look at the numbers for Tampa and, you know, obviously the height that comes with Gronk and, and Brady, um, do you think the, the hype is, is, um, is deserved is it too much is it too less when you look at your numbers and projections what do you see about that offense i mean we know we got that mike evans we got all those guys what do you expect from the buccaneers offensively i'm optimistic i'm very optimistic about this team in general especially honestly on the defensive side of the ball more than on the offensive side of the ball this is a team that quietly by dvoa the football outsiders nerd stat which i love they were the fifth best defense in football by dvoa and they were like 31st in terms of points per game and that's because Davis Winston threw seven pick sixes. They mm -hmm. had the worst average starting field position in football because of those interceptions. Mm -hmm. And they faced the most possessions in all of football because their offense either scored or turned the ball over pretty much immediately, which is <laughs> a, a way to get 190 uh, drives against you on defense. So when you strip all that out, they were actually a really good defense a year ago. They bring everybody back pretty much from last season. And then you're adding Tom Brady, who – for whatever strengths or weaknesses Tom Brady has in his 40s, he's not going to turn the ball over 30 times. So you're going to be able to have that defense play 160 drives as opposed to 190 drives. So I figure if the offense is good, it doesn't have to be great. If it's just, you know, 10th or 12th in the league, this is probably a 10 or 11 win football team. So to me, I think I'm not, I don't think the offense is going to be great. I think the numbers are going to come down because they're not going to have as many possessions. Tom gotcha. Brady's not going to be chucking it downfield. But I think overall, this is still a 10 or 11-win football team to me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Who are your top three power? Bill Barnwell power rankings, fantasy defenses this year. 
I was not prepared for fantasy defense questions. I have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not I had to give you something. I'm just gonna say this: if you're asking for like individual defensive player picks after this, I'm no, 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 no. I will I'm, not do that to you. I'm probably gonna disconnect. I don't have an answer. Uh, top three. <laughs> top three sacks picks. You know that? Yeah, I'm thinking. Um, I would say probably the. I would still go Steelers. Number one, they're going to take a step backwards. They can't be as good as they were a year ago, but just so much young talent. The pass rush should still be really good. I think they're going to be in much better shape. I would say after that, maybe the Bills second. They're going to play okay. slow. They're going to get a lot. They're going to get more takeaways than they did a year ago. And I would say maybe Niners third. Um, okay. Again, I think they're not going to play fast. Great pass rush. That's kind of the stuff you can rely upon. You can't really rely upon interceptions and and takeaways happening all that frequently, but sacks and, and sack rate and pass pressure are pretty consistent or more consistent at least from year to year. So I think I have a little more faith in their, those teams getting home than maybe some of the other teams. Who's best team in the NFC? San Francisco? No. Who is it? The best team in the NFC, and this is not designed to draw attention, but it is my honest opinion. It is the Dallas Cowboys. I agree. It is agree. not going to be fun if you're someone who just likes the Cowboys this year. I feel like they are a absolutely set to be a 13-win team this year. Woo-hoo! 13! Well, I love it. How much of that they did up front on defense? It helps. I mean, obviously losing Gerald McCoy did not help matters. But yeah, that's true. I love what they added on defense. I think this is going to be the best offense in football. I think better than the Chiefs. I think that there's that much upside and Jeez. Hot you know, takes. I mean, they were, they were number two in DVOA last year. I mean, they were really good last year, let alone this year. So, um, you know, things always seem to go wrong with the Cowboys at one point or another. But I think this is going to be, like I said, a, if not maybe a 12-win team, but in the 12-13 win range for me. Wow. So hot takes with Bill there at the end. Uh, just and, and that no for San Francisco was quick. That was new. New? Well, I they got I, a lot of injuries. They got a lot of injuries. I thought they're going to be good, but I mean, this is a team that last year I came out and I said, this is the team I think is most likely to take a leap, most likely team in the league to improve. I had them as a playoff team in April. I mean, I, I'm optimistic on the Niners. I think there's a lot to like there, but. Well, right. And there's a difference between saying, not saying that they're the best in the NFC. You didn't say they're poop. You didn't say they're, that you just said that you like Dallas better and that's fine. Um, all right. So I, I feel like you've given us some of the flavor of, of where we are. People are drafting. I'm not asking, I'm not asking you for fantasy rankings because no one cares. Actually, they probably do care a lot, but I would never do that to you. But I do want to know this because you alluded to it. You play fantasy football. Yes. Sure. Of course. Do you, do you often win? Um, I, in, in my home league with my friends, I am the Buffalo Bills of my league I, I won one title but i've made it to the finals like seven times and i've won once in the finals in the last now are, and in that league are the are the other people just buddies or are these are these people like you who are sort of in the in the profession and would be expected no. to be able to deal with you and battle with you in terms of your intelligence <laughs> i don't know about intelligence but certainly uh football time like you t- yeah t- time wasted thinking about football certainly <laughs> i am number one this is just random people from college and people who people know from college so how much fun must it be, Steve, if you get to be able to, the guy to go, hey, you know that guy Barnwell, Mr. 8 billion words on the NFL and uh, all this math in his head? Yeah, I kicked his ass. <laughs> I don't get yeah. you, know, you know what the frustrating thing is? Well, it's, not, it's not even like I get to the finals and I lose like narrowly. I get stomped every year. It's better that way. I, better like, that last, last year was the um, – I lost in the semifinals last year because Jameis Winston had that like 50-point game. 
Just thinking, oh, guys, yeah. guys get picked up off the waiver wire and just destroy me. I got knocked out of the playoffs because Kenyon Drake had like 11 touchdowns in that one game. Like, <laughs> and, and, and ask Steve. Steve, all right, this is a moment where I'll just – I'm going to recuse myself from the conversation. I want you to speak honestly to, to Bill and our listeners about how insufferable I have become when it comes to fantasy football. I'm going to pretend like I'm not here or pretend like I am here and say whatever you'd like to say about, okay. about me. Okay. Bill, you've been around us enough. In the, in the room, on the show. You've seen when Scott's in not a great mood, right? It's true, I have. Okay. Just imagine it times 10. Oh, no. The, be- the, the other way. The wrong way. Oh. That's all I'll say. Oh, no. It's bad. It's just bad. <laughs> oh. no, Nothing. Like, the only thing, the only thing that makes me more emotionally unstable is Maryland basketball, where the last year they created – a room for me that they called the panic room and and they created a room where I could go and I would just watch the games by myself. And like when Maryland came back, they were down like 18 to two against Minnesota. They came back and won on a three at the buzzer. I came running out of the panic room, like a bat out of hell, but I'm worse for fantasy football because, because that's unreasonable. Like Maryland, like I went there, grew up there. Like that's like, I've invested time, money, life. Like fantasy football only exists. Like my team only exists on paper or you know what i'm saying like it's totally unreasonable and yet nothing pisses me off more than when i lose like on a stat correction by point four that's just i get i get sideways but you can at least tell yourself i made the right decision i just got unlucky he can't do that bill he can't do that that's no. what you gotta do i'm not good at that. that because you just want to be right. Like, I mean, and when it, like when I give out picks on like winners, the segment, I just want to be right. Cause when you're wrong, you just get heckled unmercifully. Mm-hmm. And even by the way, if you're right more than you're wrong, a couple of years ago, Steve hit like 70% with his gambling picks and all he got was from people on the internet for the 30% that he lost. <laughs> like, it's just insane. The crap you deal with from people when you say something that ends up not being right. And so I think ultimately really what it comes down to is you just want to be right. Don't you? Of course, hundred percent. And, and it's funny because, like, like I said last, I said a minute ago, I picked the Niners to make the playoffs in April. Tweeted it out, article in August. Hey, these are all the reasons Niners are going to improve. I think they're a playoff team if, if, if things break right for them. Nobody cared. Nobody paid attention. No one brought it up in December. Hey, that guy's kind of smart. I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Or sorry, I picked the Chiefs to lose the Super Bowl. Like twenty-five people pointed it out that night. Like this idiot <laughs> wrote eight thousand words about the, you know, and it's like that game came down to two plays. Of course yeah. it did. It's Tyree Kill, or they right. lose. Right, I mean, it's third I, and fifteen, or else they they punt uh, and they lose the game. And it's like, okay, I'm, and again, I'm, I'm gonna get stuff wrong. That's fine. I got no concerns. I just find it funny that like, for every person who might recognize that I got something right, at least ten people will notice I got something wrong. But that's why we have a segment called Pay the Bill where we, we point out week after week after week. And we give you plenty of chance. Like, you said it, it's taped. We put it out there into the, into the ether, and you're either right or you're wrong. And you were right an astounding percentage of the time, which is why I want to close with this. Mm-hmm. And you can pass. You don't have to answer this, but I really want to know. He's not passing. Do you bet? <laughs> do I bet? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Sometimes I do. Okay. Well – there's no way, like you say, unfortunately, like there's no way you're not up and no one can be up. But if anyone could be up, I'd say you'd be up because you, I feel like you're like sharp has become this word. Like it, it used to mean 
it used to actually mean something. People talk about the sharp side and now it's been co-opted by gambling Twitter and people that are in the space that don't really know what it is, but you are a sharp opinionist on football because you know more than most, but it's hard as hell to win betting, isn't it? Oh, there's no way, at least on like betting games from week to week, which I don't typically do because I was not living in a place that, where gambling was legal until... Oh, uh, come on. You can find a guy. I, Smoking but, weed isn't legal either, but, but everyone he, had a guy. Did I ever tell you about the, the guy... Did I tell you about the guy who I... Who, like, slipped a note under my door when I lived in Vegas? No. No. Oh, well, I... Let me tell... So when I lived in Vegas, I lived on the Strip, and I happened to do a podcast at the time with uh, uh, my boss, Bill Simmons. Uh, on, and I mentioned I was living in Vegas, living... You know, I didn't say where I was living, but... I was living on the strip somewhere. Um, and the guy slipped a note under my door the next day. And again, this is a, like, a, you know, an apartment building, like, you know, where you have to like swipe a fob to get to that floor in the elevator. Like he clearly went out of his way to slip this note under my door. And he said, listen, um, I'm happy to book your action with uh, Novig, which is probably telling how little he thought of my betting skills, which might have wow. been time. But he said, I'll book your action with Novig, but there's two rules. Number one, I can move the line by a half point in either direction. And number two, and I still to this day do not understand why this is the case. He said, you cannot bet on Notre Dame. <laughs> but why? Is he, is he a religious man? Is he a Notre Dame fan? Does he have too much action on Notre Dame already? I, I wanted to re- reply just to get the answer to that question but I was how would you have replied what, what would you have done just left it like filled it out and put it back in the hall like how how would you have known who where to put it i i wish i wish there was an answer that's what i would have done is just put it underneath my door and just hope for the best but so ju- juice free action but none nothing on the irish nothing on the irish and a half point in either direction so sounds that, like got sounds like gottlieb <laughs> you can't mess with half points. I mean, because that's that's yeah. What, so you bet, and then he changes the line. Yes, you're getting seven. What? He makes it six and a half. No, like what? What kind of who? Hey, whoever you are, sir, <laughs> you're listening. You're probably listening because it's a Bill Barnwell podcast. What kind of nonsense is this? Did you ever place a bet with him? Of course not. Oh, I was living. Right. I was living above the Aria. I wasn't gonna go place a bet with some random hey dude. It was great. All right. Um. Because I and I mean it's hard to win. It's it's hard to be right. And and whether it's fantasy or whether it's an article that you write about who's going to win or who's going to take the team the step forward, it feels like. And I I've said this forever, and it's I, I try not to repeat myself, but God knows when it comes to the NFL, I certainly do. No one knows anything. <laughs> like just week to week league, we've said that forever. Mm-hmm. Year to year, no, it changes. Like the, the no 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 percentage of playoff teams change more by and large. Than the NFL, we know that there's going to be massive turnover, and that's why. Just since I mean, we can joke and be goofy, but and sincerely, I just have such appreciation for your opinion because I feel like more than most people in this space, where it's so hard to be right, I feel like you're right more often than most, which is why I figured that you were just throwing around ten grand on games every week, like it was. Your <laughs> you know? And if you weren't, why weren't you? And if you want to, then maybe you just you know get at me. I know some people that know some people. Maybe we'll start moving some lines offshore. Well, now that you're not in that $100,000 league, I feel like we have a lot of liquidity to go through here. So. Yeah, but I'm in four different leagues that are probably all like 25 <laughs> to 30A. So it's like, we're probably like at a buck and a quarter. Can you imagine? My wife doesn't listen to podcasts, but she like literally thought I was in a $100,000 fantasy league. Like, I'm not afraid of some action, but I mean, I'm also not a complete fool. <laughs> Like a six-figure league where you're going to lose because somebody's knees down and then here – oh, no, Tevin – Coleman didn't score. Here comes Mostert. 
I got Coleman, you got Mostert, I just lose? No, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. Uh, last song on the way out. Are you excited, Bill, for football and this, to the same level of sort of excitement and enthusiasm and intrigue as you would be in a normal year where I feel like it, it, it occupies my thoughts to an unreasonable level? Do you, do you have a, the same kind of a feeling as you typically have? I wouldn't say the same, but I am really excited. I am absolutely excited because there's not a lot going on in my apartment. There's a little bit of sports here and there. Some reading is going on. That's nice. Hanging out with the person I live with. That's also very good. I like my dog, but having football is nice. Having that routine, having that schedule of, okay, this is what I'm doing on this day is much appreciated. I've had nothing to do for the past six months. It's been very boring. I'm anxious. You know, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm hoping that everyone stays healthy. I'm hoping that we get you know, a season that's not impacted by um, the coronavirus to any greater extent than it already has been, um, which I know is naive, and I know we're going to have to deal with that at some point during the year. But, you know, I, I do love my job. Like, I feel extremely spoiled for all the complaints we've had about, you know, getting stuff wrong and having to hear about it. Like, I'm so lucky to do this for a living um, for a, a decade now, I think. Like, I, I'm so absolutely spoiled to do this so i feel like the least i can do at least is do my job and at least write about football and hopefully some people enjoy it. well ditto obviously we feel the same way and everyone enjoys what you do and but now that you live in maryland governor hogan announced today stage three as of september 4th at 5 p.m all businesses open like you can get out there live let your hair down get after it get out there and <laughs> dance around in the world man come on you're a maryland guy me you and steve we're gonna go go to uncle julio's yeah you know, the first thing we're doing is just going to the sports book in DC, realistically. Well, now that I know that, now that I know that you're not afraid, I'm going to yeah. wait for, I'm going to wait for Bill's <laughs> little secret nuggets when the bat phone goes off and we're going to go, we don't have to find a speakeasy. We're going to go right to the uh, window and we're going to fire with Bill. Uh, the Bill Barnwell Show podcast, check it out. Um, he's on everywhere and he's great. And he's on, he'll be on with us in the uh, season. Hopefully you can come by the studio. I don't want the rules. This week. Oh, this week. Steve, yeah. Steve just booked you. I didn't know if you That's knew you were doing it. Okay, good. That's Bill Barnwell. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, guys.